Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Blog Talk Radio uh, on the catch. And uh, as you know, these are uh, these are these are live originally, and uh, but immediately they become podcasts, and uh, that's when most people listen to to the uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, on the catch is, is as a podcast and we've got a great backlog of guests mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so I hope you will will uh, go to our uh, our site uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the catch and you can go down you can scroll down and oh gosh I don't know how many we have close to 100 now probably podcasts with uh, wonderful guests like uh, Oz Guinness and Tony Campolo and uh, uh, especially and people like our guest today who is uh, probably uh, one of one of our most popular guests and most frequent ones uh, I just love talking with this guy because well, he's he's spent a lifetime studying religion in America, and not only that, but uh, especially evangelicalism in America, and uh, has some incredible books. Back into the 80s, a, uh, a PBS series, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory, A Journey into the Evangelical Subculture in America. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who who don't even realize we basically do have a subculture um, of evangelical Christianity. And Randall noticed that early on has been writing about it and thinking about it ever since. And uh, in fact, he's working on a new book, which will be kind of where do we go off the rails book. Uh, Can't wait for that one. (laughs) Um, And uh, also he's doing uh, he's doing another biography did one on uh, on uh, Jimmy Carter, and uh, he's presently working on one on uh, Mark. Uh, uh, yeah, right. It just slips me slips my. <laughs> okay, Randall, help me. It slipped. It slipped. Hatfield, Mark Mark Hatfield. Mark Hatfield, yes, right. of the Northwest. Um, and uh, a great Christian who, uh, well, I can't wait to see that book because uh, he, he's a guy who, who uh, literally died on some hills uh, that he believed in and had nothing to do with, it had nothing to do with politics or nothing to do with his, his party or anything like that, but simply what he believed in his heart 
was true and uh, what he needed to support. So anyway, that, that'll be a good one. Um, but uh, yeah, Randall even has a book called the encyclopedia of evangelicalism. And I love this because I'm in this one. And uh, uh, <laughs> this is my favorite. My fa- I might've mentioned this on the show before, but I love this because Fisher John Walter um, is right in between fire baptized holiness church of God of the Americas and flammable craft. <laughs> What's right there? And and if you know what flannel graph is, you are in, my friend. You you are on the inside. Uh, we won't even go into that uh, right now because <laughs> we tonight are going to talk about things sports. And uh, Randall, you I have to say you really surprised me on this one because uh, he has a new book out called Passion Plays: How Religion Shapes Sports in America. And uh, I would like to say I really planned this for Super Bowl week, but uh, uh, this just happened. And uh, so it's an epiphany, and uh, we're so excited to be able to uh, talk about sports on the catch from someone who's been thinking a lot about it and, and how re- what role religion has played in sports in America. So um, let's get right down to it. Uh, Randall, welcome back to Blog Talk Radio, and and tell us um, what, what. Okay, you got it. The, the classic question: Why did you write this book? What what brought this about <laughs> for you? Oh, thanks, John. It's good to be back <laughs> with you. Uh, always nice to talk. Uh, and I'm Randall Balmer. I don't think you mentioned my last name, so I'll, I'll oh, introduce I'm myself. So sorry. <laughs> we, uh, we are we're, we just got right into it there. Okay. We did, yeah, and and I'm, uh, the book is not out yet. It won't be out until August, so uh, it's, you know, I, I think it's probably available to pre-order if people want to do oh, it. The I'd be delighted. Book. Hey, I'm sorry, I thought yeah. I thought for sure it was out. It's no, it's not yet uh, out, it's, but I, it's uh, in it's in production. And in so, production, um, but you are it, done with it. Yeah. It's in the can, right? Pretty much, yes. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. it's, it's called Passion Plays: How Religion Shapes Sports in North America, and how did it come about? Well. Uh, I actually had a mentor in graduate school in the history department at, uh, at Princeton, Princeton University, where I did my graduate work. And uh, he was a colonial historian, wonderful man, uh, probably the smartest man I've ever met. I, I just, uh, I, I, he was just extraordinary. Um, and he was a big sports fan, and he used to talk about the major sports and the kind of symbolism behind each sport. So, for example, baseball. Huh is the quintessential immigrant game because it's the only game where the defense controls the ball and it's the object of the offensive player, the batter, to disrupt the defense's control of the ball. And the batter is outnumbered nine to one in that effort. If he fails seven times out of ten, he'll probably go to the Hall of Fame. That's how difficult it is. (laughs) And so, and of course you have, it's the greatest triumph for the immigrant is to return home. And so that's what the the baseball, you know, that, that, that's just, you know, that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more to it than that. 
Um, hockey is Canada's game, and we can talk about that if you want to a little bit. But also uh, basketball, which was actually invented by a YMCA instructor in at Springfield College, what's today Springfield College. And uh, that's a quintessential urban game because the idea is to maneuver within a very small space without impeding the progress of others. It's kind of like walking down Fifth Avenue at lunch hour, Michigan Avenue at rush hour. And so uh, he got me thinking about, and this is, you know, John, this is, you know, at least 40 years ago. I haven't calculated recently how long ago it was, but I've been thinking about this for 40 years and uh, I decided to start writing about it. And unfortunately this uh, mentor of mine, uh, uh, died of COVID last year, so he's not yeah. going to be able to see the book, but uh, I'm, I've dedicated it to him, and uh, it allows me to kind of think about this. The other thing that got me thinking more about it was my discovery of sports radio in the 1990s, and I couldn't believe that a radio host would be able to sustain four hours of conversation over whether or not Joe Torrey should have lifted the pitcher with two outs in the bottom of the sixth inning. And, you know, the, the passion that these uh, callers in particular brought to the, mm-hmm. the question was just uh, uh, striking to me. And uh, I concluded that uh, baseball or that football, that sports in general is America's new religion in terms of the devotion and the passion that we, mm. Uh, mm. we give to sports. And, of course, we haven't talked about football yet, and it's Super Bowl Sunday, so I think we probably want to talk about that as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, by saying that it's a religion, uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I, you know, I, I mean, I, as a person of faith, I think it's probably not a good thing. It, 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 it suggests to me that, that um, we have kind of missed the boat in terms of uh, where we are as a culture right now and where we are as a, as a Christian faith. And, uh, you know, I, one of the points I make in the book, and actually Jim Wallace suggested it to me in, in a conversation, one of the points I make in the book is that where is moral leadership coming from in this day and age? And mm-hmm. we used to look to people like um, Walter Rauschenbusch or Dorothy, Dorothy Day or uh, Billy Graham or Martin Luther King Jr. And now it's really sports figures who are saying, hey, you know, think about Colin Kaepernick, for example, uh, who's mm-hmm. who's making a, a principled stand, and it's it cost him his his uh, professional career to do that. But you know, where is the real moral? Where are moral standards coming from these days? Uh, where are mm. people who are willing to, to to take a stand for various things? And I think uh, you can argue that uh, it's coming more often from the world of sports than it is um, from the faith. Yeah, um, you know, I did a a few weeks ago. Uh, actually, I did a catch on you know what's what's spiritual about football, and um, uh, yep. one of the things I came up with though was simply something to talk about. And uh, you, you know, in a time when religion is a sort of no man's land and politics is a war zone it's kind of nice yeah. to have some, something to talk about with you know people who might disagree with you on other levels yeah no i i you're absolutely right john i think that's that's part of the the attraction and what mm-hmm. i part of the thing i part of what i argue in the book is that uh, the world of sports is a kind of alternative universe 
And hmm. it's a universe that is appealing, particularly the white males, by the way, but we can get into that if you want to. It's appealing because it, it, is, it, is, it is fair and it's the proverbial level playing field. That is to say, I think sports is the one of the few real meritocracies left in American society. That is to say, if you're not talented, you're not going to play, especially at the collegiate or the professional levels. And it is a, it's a matter of merit rather than preference in one way or another. So, for example, uh, I think one of the reasons that it's so attractive is that a ball is either fair or foul. The receiver either did or did not get both feet in bounds before falling out of bounds. And mm-hmm. it's not a matter of, uh, you know, a batter up there uh, taking strike three and turning around to the umpire and said, you know, gee, I'll, you know, I had a bad week. You know, my sister was just diagnosed with a cancer. Uh, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. You know, give me another strike here. Give me another. <laughs> you just don't do that in sports. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, it's so attractive as a kind of uh, alternate orderly universe, very much in contrast with uh, our perceptions of the larger world or the real world. Wow. Which is so true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you think, yeah, wouldn't you think that that we would learn something from that? That, you know, because yeah. that, that truth, there, in a time, I, I, I love your example because, you know, in a postmodern age where truth is relative right. and right. anybody can kind of make their own truth up. Well, how right. can you live in a universe like that when you can't even play a game that way? Right. That's yeah. I, you're, you're exactly the, You're a, absolutely right. No, I think that's I think that's part of the appeal of the mm-hmm. world of sports is that uh, first of all, it's escapism. There's no question about that. And, and you know, I feel it too. You know, for three hours on a Sunday afternoon, I can watch my favorite football team and kind of you know forget the rest of the world. But it's also a, an orderly world and. You know, nothing, and I can attest to this from listening to sports radio during the 1990s, nothing enrages a sports fan more than a blown call from the official because it disrupts their orderly world. And that's that's increasingly rare now with with video Mm -hmm. review. Uh, It's increasingly Mm -hmm. rare that you have a bad call. But, uh, you know, nothing, because it disrupts that orderly universe and it kind of punctures uh, the illusion of, of, of what the world of sports is, is all about. Well, you know, the, the, the uh, yeah. No, I was going to go on to talk about football, but go ahead, please. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. I, I, I'm, I, I do want you to make a comment about um, the subtitle, uh, how religion shaped sports in North America. I, I'd love yeah. to have you talk about that a little bit. How how has it shaped our yeah. sports yeah. scene? It, it it has. I I mean I think the most obvious example of course would be James Naismith who was a Presbyterian minister who invented the game of basketball while he was teaching at uh, what is now Springfield College. It was called uh, the YMCA training school at the time. But if you look at at some of the major uh, figures in the development of sports, they had uh, a kind of religious pedigree. A lot of ministers, um, the the founder, for example, of the uh, 12th Street YMCA in in Washington, D.C., was uh, also known as the first colored Y in America, 
uh, was uh, a, a minister. Uh, and the YMCA, let's remember the YMCA itself was, uh, was and, and to some degree still is, uh, a religious organization. And it understood mm-hmm. the value of, of recreation. And so along comes Nick Naismith, and uh, he's charged by his uh, superior at Springfield College to come up with a game to occupy young men during the interval between the baseball and the football seasons. And he comes up with this indoor urban game uh, that you know, really reflects the life in the city in, in, in many ways. Um, the other thing about uh, religion and sports is that uh, it, it reflects it, it reflects what's going on in the culture as well. Uh, so, for example, we talked about baseball earlier, um, but baseball, in addition to being an immigrant game, is also a game that really protested against industrialism and the Industrial Revolution because it rejected the icon of industrialism, which was the clock. It's the only game not governed by a clock. And Hmm. even the base runners circle the bases counterclockwise as though they're trying to subvert the passage of time. And (laughs) that's one of the characteristics uh, of baseball. Uh, Football is, um, well, I'll talk about that when you're ready to talk about it. Yeah, Uh, yeah, go ahead ahead in in the same context. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, football is, uh, well, first of all, uh, all these games are descended from earlier versions of games, but football was descended uh, from what we call soccer and also rugby. And actually there was a real contestation between which version of the game would become football. And it eventually was modeled more on rugby than it was on soccer. But it's essentially a military game because it has to do with the conquest and the defense of territory. Hmm. And it was the, the first, the first intercollegiate football game was played in 1869 in New Brunswick, New Jersey, between Princeton university and Rutgers university. And the early game of football was really developed by the sons and nephews of union army officers from the civil war. So it is a game about territory. And it, it kind of replicates what happens on, or what happened on the battlefields of Antietam and Gettysburg and Manassas and so forth, where you're trying to uh, encroach on the enemy territory and defend your own territory at the same time. And think about how military language has mm. crept into our uh, our understanding of football. The quarterback mm. is the field general who hmm. fires long bombs or bullet passes. <laughs> uh, you have the uh, trench warfare between the offensive line and the defensive line. And one of the things that was fascinating to me as I was uh, researching the book is to notice how as the techniques of warfare have changed, so have the techniques of football. That is to say, in the early years and decades of football, even into the, uh, into the 1970s, it was dominated by a running game, uh, a ground game. But as the mm. tactics for warfare have changed with wow. World War II, Vietnam War, for, for war, and so forth, 
it's now much more a passing game, an aerial game, than it was a yes. a, a, a ground game. So it's right. military, and you know, in order to, uh, if you want to emphasize the point, uh, what's going to happen at the Super Bowl? Very likely, I don't know for sure. You're going to have the national anthem, which is a fascinating question in itself. Why do we sing the national anthem for a sports game and not at a rock concert? John, any ideas about that? I still don't know. <laughs> nah. Why is Boy. that? <laughs> no, I never thought and of then, yeah. And then after the national anthem, then you have the military jet, uh, jets screaming overhead to emphasize right. this is a military mm-hmm. game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you, you are, uh, the, of course, you're going to have the flag out there, maybe covering yep. the whole field, and and uh, yeah, or uh, or the at least the guys marching around in the drum corps, you know, right? And, and which is amazing. which is a military band, right? It's yes. a military mm-hmm. band, right? 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 <laughs> for sure. And then for for religion, I mean, you know, you you know what a a Catholic or an Episcopal procession looks like in church right with incense you know in a high church yeah and uh, you have the, the football players running out of the tunnels uh, and you have smoke very often um, <laughs> doing the, the same sorts of things <laughs> interesting wow wow well you know i'm thinking of you know i i was influenced a lot by um uh the writing of harry uh Blameyers, or I'm not sure how he yeah. pronounces his yeah. name. Right. Uh, yeah. He was the guy who came up with uh, think Christianly, and uh, rather yes, than right. you know thinking, you know having having spiritual thoughts over here and secular thoughts over here, uh, you know he was the first person that challenged me to think Christianly about everything. And um, so you know how. It's been always fun for me to think about how I can think Christianly about sports, and, yeah, and sure. it's it's fairly it's fairly easy actually, because there's so much. Yeah, tell me about it. Illustrations. Yeah, that are, tell me about it. Life. Yeah. Um, like what? What? What are you thinking? Oh gosh. Um, well. Oh, I got to tell you a really quick story. Have you heard of, uh, I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but um, <laughs> have you heard of a book called Sermon on the Mound? No. By no. Michael O'Connor. Okay, I'm going to have to get this to you. Uh, I'd love to see it. Yeah. It's called Sermon on the Mound, and Michael O'Connor is a beautiful writer. You will just love it. And he it's it's all about baseball. And... Um, yeah. Uh, but I tell you what, it's about his story and how he came to be a Christian, um, based on, uh, the world series. And I think it was, oh, I don't remember exactly when, but it was, it was when Bill Buckner did his big faux pas, you know, and let the ball. 1986. Yep. 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 Remember yep. very well. Yes. <laughs> right. And, and, but what happened was he, he was not a Christian yet. And he was watching, uh, that game, game six. And, you know, they were way up on top of everything. Um, yes, you know, the, they were. Yep. The, the, the Red Sox and, and yep. 
he basically they he he said he realized if 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 this game turned around, uh, he could not stay on the fence anymore because it would be the seventh game for his own decision about God, and huh. and and he literally made a pact, you know if if uh, you know if this thing turns around, uh, I I. It's my seventh game, you know. Okay. And, yeah. and and that's how he came. That's how he came to the Lord. You know. Huh. Um, wow. It's 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 a fascinating story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I. Right. <laughs> so I, I, oh here, I I, I, re, I read you his open. I, this is one of my favorite opening sentences. Of a book, I believe in two things: God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the one and only source from which all life flows, and baseball. Everything okay. else, everything else, is just sports and religion. How about that? I wish I'd known about oh, this book go. before I was, as I was writing mine. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, baseball, baseball. Baseball is God's game because it's uh, right in the beginning of Genesis. In the big inning, God <laughs> created the heaven and the earth. <laughs> well, yeah, but just, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things I appreciate about sports is just watching the, the, what human beings are capable of. of oh, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It really is. Yes. Yeah, especially at the highest levels, it's just uh, it's, it's extraordinary. It's, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, just to kind of sit back and take it in. <laughs> yeah, I first I, I, I first in, enjoyed that with uh, you know watching uh, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice do yep. their thing. You know, yep. it was just that yep. was a thing of beauty. You know, and uh, it was. So here we are. It's Super Bowl weekend, and. Uh, you are going to root for the Rams because uh, you're going to root for Matthew Stafford. Tell, tell us about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I lived uh, most of the 1960s in Bay City, Michigan, so I became a Detroit Lions fan in 1963, uh, which gives you some idea how old I am. I guess you and I, John, are pretty much the same age. And uh, I've, you know, even though I've lived many places since then, I've kind of maintained my loyalties to the Lions, the, the woebegone team, if there yeah. was one. And uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I could, you know, appreciate as anyone can really, who's a football fan, the, the mastery and the artistry of Matthew Stafford. And I was really happy for him, frankly, when he got traded to the Rams last year. Actually, I think it was a good trade for both teams. Be honest, yeah. But just to be able to watch him flourish and go to the Super Bowl, and uh, I expect to win the Super Bowl. I think he probably will do that. Um, no, no, uh, no offense intended towards Cincinnati <laughs> fans, but uh, I, I think it, it's just as we said earlier, just watching his uh, his uh, his mind work, but also the uh, the artistry behind his craft is just really quite extraordinary so yes i'm a, i'm at least temporarily a rams fan and i'll probably repatriate myself to the lions at some point <laughs> maybe they won't be so woeful at that point <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Well, probably, you know, your your point about being the new religion in America is probably, you know, at its height uh, on the Super Bowl when everything yes. in the world stops. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a whole, it's, it's the new holy day. It, it really is. Uh, it's, uh, you think mm-hmm. about uh, everything that goes into it. Um, and, you know, the other thing about uh, football that is very American is the violence. Now, we are a violent society. Yeah. There's no, no two ways yeah. about it. And, and, you know, I'm one of these people who's conscious stricken enough to every so often to question my, <laughs> my mm-hmm. fandom. You know, here I am right. watching a game that does uh, untold damage to the people who play the game. And mm-hmm. uh, should I really be supporting it or participating in it? And yet there's something I have to say that's just so riveting about it that uh, I can't look away. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, that was actually, I wanted to talk about that. That was one of my questions. And, and, uh, and yeah. just, well, think of the violence and the commercialization. And, yeah. and it, oh, sure. is that yeah. enough to say that we as Christians should just uh, not be involved? Uh, you know, I, I imagine there are some people who believe that. Um, and, oh, I, I think that's a, there's a very good argument for that. Absolutely. A very good argument for that. Yeah. Uh, and yet, you know, and yet you're going to watch the Super Bowl and I'm going to watch it. And uh, are, we, are, we being, are we being sinful, Randall, uh, when we do that? Or, or, or what do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd, I'd, I'd put it in the category of sin, but, I, you know, I think, I, I think it's, it's good every so often to examine one's conscience on these and, of course, uh-huh. many other matters. Uh, I'm not sure it rises to the, to the level of mortal sin, to use a Catholic uh, construction, um, but uh, you know, I, I think it's 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 good to ask those questions of ourselves. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, um, but you think you think it is possible to enjoy sports in America? I'm I'm probably more of a baseball fan than a football fan, although I do like mm-hmm. football this this time. Well, this time of the season, it's really fun when you sure. get into the sure. playoffs. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, because uh, in, in baseball, I, I see so much that illustrates life, as you explained. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, baseball is just—it's—it's it's a—it's there's a poetry to baseball that uh, the football, frankly, doesn't have. And and I uh, know um, I'm. I'm yeah. I'm probably with you. I'm more a baseball fan than I'm a football fan, but uh, this time of year, it's it's <laughs> it's it's tough going for baseball fans <laughs> when it's when it's the winter time and you have a crazy uh, labor dispute that's probably going to delay spring training. I used yes. to say that uh, oh, that spring training, the beginning of spring training, was for me the uh, the, the the best argument for the existence of God. <laughs> there you go there you go that's yeah that would endear you to uh michael o'connor yeah yeah well and the other thing is you know you think about the three theological virtues faith hope and love the one that that we tend to gloss over is hope we talk a lot about faith we talk about a lot about love but uh, the one we 
don't talk about very much is hope. And uh, spring training is all about hope, it seems to me. <laughs> ah, well, that's very cool. Because I, you know, I've got a, I, I, I've got a habit of going um, to a, week, a spring training weekend just about every year. I've been doing it for about five or six years now. Oh, nice! And watching the Angels, and I absolutely love nice. it. Yeah, yep. and I, even if I never see a real, uh, you know, uh, a, a major league game, although I'll probably see one or two, but you know, this to me is is almost better, just because of yep. of that. You, you're, uh, and and the fans, the fans are really into it, and they're everybody's having a good time. Uh, whoever you're, whoever you're rooting for, you know, and this and uh, doesn't right. seem to. Matter. We just uh, enjoy being together and enjoy the game. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so lovely. Something something that we could all learn to do with other areas of our life. You know, I think. Um, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. To find what what is valuable and what can we take home uh, as people of faith from this experience. Um, right. Yeah. Yep. Well, oh my gosh, we've uh, we've used it up already. So uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so you're uh, you 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 think the Rams are going to do it? I think so. I you look at the number of fourth quarter comebacks that uh, Stafford has engineered, and we saw it the other day with the uh, yeah. With with the Buccaneers, I think that's I know shot. they almost yeah. threw that one away. Boy, I know. <laughs> Scary. I know. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he's he's, he's got he he does these laser passes. I don't know how he does it, and he just he's just an, he's just a wonder yeah. to watch. He really is. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think you know as you talk about how faith figures into that. I mean, I think we can appreciate. Uh, mm-hmm. the 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 artistry and the physical talents of people who uh, whose uh, whose abilities and whose uh, uh, who have uh, exceeded who ex- far exceed our own I think we can appreciate that as as uh, one of the wonders of God's creation. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, Randall, thank you for helping to shed some light on uh, this part of our our life and uh, may we uh, may we you know follow this thinking christianly i think into more more yeah. areas than just this this would be really imagine if we could do that about politics <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, uh, yeah let's do that <laughs> that'll be our that'll be our next show <laughs> okay Good. okay randall hey it's always great thank you so much for uh, I enjoyed it. Okay. Thanks, John. Uh, you take care. I God will. Bless. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, I don't know what you're reading for, but I hope you have a good Sunday. Hey, we will have You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk. It will not be at 6 o'clock because uh, that's going to be about the fourth quarter. So, uh, because uh, 
you know, the church of the Super Bowl, we're, we're going to be uh, doing our church at 11 o'clock uh, Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. We will see you then, and uh, can't wait. Have fun. To the Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 